51 of Zombie Prospects Radio. I'm your host, Peter Harling, and this is going to be a bit of a special edition episode, as I usually do bi-weekly episodes, but I put one out last week, um, because next weekend is, next Monday actually, uh, a week today, is the NHL trade deadline. So it seems like a really good time to do an NHL trade deadline show and focus it on fantasy hockey and the impact it might have on some of your keeper prospects, uh, some fringe players in the league, and... Uh, I brought on a special guest to help me out with this particular episode. I'd like to welcome Steve Laidlaw. He's uh, back on to Dauber Prospects Radio. You all know Steve as the managing editor of Dauber Hockey. Um, he's not doing that this year, but uh, he's a very regular fantasy hockey contributor that I'm sure you all know. So uh, thanks for coming back on to the podcast, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm very happy to be back, Pete. I'm happy to have you on. You're still uh, active on Twitter answering people's random fantasy hockey questions? Uh, not so much with the random fantasy hockey questions. More more or less just um, random random NHL speculation and stuff like that. I've kind of steered, steered my fantasy stuff towards um, just my rankings that I do once a year and then um, just my own pools. Right on. Well, I know as you still are interacting with some of the tweets that me and the, the podcast put out, so that's all, all kinds of fun. So let's talk a little NHL trade deadline. What do you say? Oh, that sounds like uh, the most fun time of the year. It really is. It really is. And the NHL trade deadline corresponds with most fantasy leagues trade deadlines. They usually have theirs either at the same day or a few days or within the week of the NHL trade deadline uh, to allow all the fantasy owners to see you how all the dominoes sort out and fall down and whatnot. Uh, so I thought maybe what we do, Steve, is just kind of start off by going through the NHL teams, maybe in alphabetical order, and just talk about who some of the NHL trade bait players that are on those rosters, and if they get moved, what that might mean to the uh, prospects within that organization. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds like uh, exquisite fun. Let's, uh, let's run through it. All right. So we have to start with Anaheim, right? That's that's how it works. So I noticed that Anaheim has Henrik and Silverberg as their principal players on their trade block. Um, I'm not sure if they have anyone else on there that I'm missing, but those are the names that jumped out at me. Uh, some prospects they have in the system that I think are relevant would be Troy Terry and Max Jones and Sam Steele, three players that are on their roster or have spent some time on their roster bouncing between they're all in their uh, rookie pro seasons this, this year. And they've all been looking pretty good. And I think it's safe to say that if Anaheim was to be active at the trade deadline, they'd be sellers and looking towards the future since they can't win a hockey game to save their life. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Max Jones and Troy Terry are already up with the team, but you look at Anaheim and that's a team that uh, we already know kind of their game plan. They're going to be bringing the AHL coach um, up to coach the NHL team next year. So you would think they'd probably be keeping guys like Steele and Jones and Terry down with their AHL club, who's looking like they're going to be a playoff team going on a playoff run down there in San Diego. So why not keep those guys down there? Obviously, they have to uh, they have to find a way to field an NHL roster. But uh, you wonder if um, there might be some guys scooped up off of waivers um, after the trade deadline, just to kind of fill those spots, and they can tank away at uh at getting a better draft pick and then those guys can can work on their game with the guy who's going to be their head coach next year 
Yeah. Um, on the the last episode, I had uh, well, I saw an interesting tweet from Cap Friendly that all the Group Six potential unrestricted free agents, and Anaheim had a couple players. One that I thought I was kind of surprised at was Andy Wilinski. He's set to become an unrestricted free agent if he fails to meet a certain number of games played. And I don't think it's possible for him to meet that number of games played. He's with the team the last time I looked, but in the press box. So he's the kind of player I think that they might be willing to um, play him on their NHL roster and um, just kind of fill that, that placeholder uh, unless they get some roster players in return in a trade for guys like Henrique Silverberger. Um, yeah. But that might be interesting to see what what teams do in terms of, and we just talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and you use Ottawa as an example. Teams that have their AHL affiliate in the hunt for a playoff spot, if they clean house on their NHL roster, your point is it doesn't make sense for them to bring those players up to the NHL and jeopardize their AHL affiliates team at making a playoff and going on a playoff run, uh, especially if they're a team like Anaheim or Ottawa where there's no chance they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what teams do to fill out their rosters and if they if they keep their prominent prospects down in the minor leagues. That's a great point that if you have prospects on your roster and you're licking your chops, planning on or counting on them being called up for your final stretch or playoff run in your fantasy league, um, you might want to take that under advisement. Um, okay, so that's Anaheim. Any, uh, any other thoughts on the Ducks? Uh, well, I just, you know, thinking, you know, they've got a couple of decent uh, prospect defensemen down there um, in in Larson and uh, Mahura. And I'm just wondering, you know, if they if they went out and did something crazy like traded Cam Fowler, who I know was kind of trending towards being their franchise defenseman. But he was uh, he was very much a favorite of Randy Carlisle. And now that he's out. Um, I wonder if they would explore uh, getting a bigger salary off in, in a guy like that, um, who probably still has a lot of people who like him in uh, in the NHL. The return they'd be able to get for him would be very high as well. Um, they're they're deep on D. They had a problem with the expansion draft with Vegas, and their depth on defense it cost them Shea Theodore, a pretty good a pretty good player. Uh, so they might. That's another thing that I think teams might be looking at, and you brought that up as well just before we started recording, the how the expansion draft could possibly impact this NHL trade deadline and teams that have a surplus of players in a position right now and aren't planning on making the playoffs this year might be uh, might be looking at using now as an opportunity to get that under control so they don't lose players for nothing later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean... That's that's certainly something that uh, teams are going to be. They're already thinking about it. They, you know, a number of teams have already signed backup goaltenders to one or three-year, one million dollar uh, AAV contracts uh, for the sole purpose, basically, of having a goalie to expose in the expansion draft. I think there's already been three or four of those type uh, contracts signed. Interesting. All right, let's talk a little bit about Arizona. They made a trade recently where they acquired um, Elias Pettersson's older brother, Emil Pettersson, at the expense of uh, a couple of um, C-grade, maybe, prospects. Uh, do you think they're done? Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? What do you What do you think the Arizona has in stock for the trade deadline? I think this is uh, this is a team that's always about you know kind of trying to find value. Um, so. 
you know, if, or they're looking to do a deal with the Blackhawks, which seems to be, uh, you know, a, a monthly occurrence, but, um, uh, I would have to think that they're going to be sellers, but I don't think they want to take a ton of talent off their roster. They're also dealing with a pile of injuries, so I don't even know that they would have too many guys to sell. I know they've got uh, pending UFA and a guy like Richard Panic, but outside of that, like I don't, I don't see them doing a, a whole ton. Um, most of their good prospects have all seen some kind of time uh, with their. NHL club already this season just because of all the injuries uh the one guy who hasn't seen time and that's because of his own injuries is Nick Merkley and that's a guy I would very much uh like to see get some run in the NHL towards the end of the season um Tucson is a fringe playoff club so they might decide you know what let's you know this guy's just getting his legs back under him let's see what he can do with another year in the AHL and then maybe challenges for a playoff or for a uh, roster spot next year yeah I'm inclined to agree I don't see Arizona as being prominent players at the trade deadline they don't have a lot of veteran players on their their roster that would be attractive for rental situations, uh, they're not in a position to go for it, so I don't really see them being buyers. They are a young team. I think their their plan is probably just going to be to stay the course. Um, so let's move on. Boston Bruins. <clears throat> David Pasternak is injured. That is a hole that they will no doubt be looking to fill, as well as getting some some secondary scoring to support their their big line, uh, and of course maybe a little bit of depth on the blue line, as all teams in playoff pursuits can never have too much uh depth on defense and i like boston's situation too they've got all their draft picks and they have a good selection of prospects that i'm a big fan of as well so here's a team that i think could be right in the mix um as far as even a player of panarin stature uh an impact forward i'm not sure if they need a center so that might rule out uh, Duchesne Stone could be a good option for them as well. Uh, do you see Boston as buyers also? I think they they would have to be buyers. Like anytime you've got uh, elite talents um, still producing at high levels, but you know in their thirties, like maximize that window. Uh, they're only going to be winning with guys like Chara and Bergeron and Marchand for so long. Uh, take full advantage while those guys are still. Uh, piling up points and and uh, really providing excellent two-way play so you know finding something uh, supplementary in behind them would be fantastic and I think they'd be pretty flexible on whatever they bring back in return like they could use a third line center or they could use a top six winger I don't think uh, I don't think they'd be too picky either way yeah I think they have the assets to pull off a big time deal too. I, they, I like their prospects. A lot of them have had some time in the NHL this, this year, uh, a lot of time or a little bit of time ranging from guys like DeBrusque, Donato, JFK. Um, don't forget about Andres Bjork, who's uh, been injured for the better part of this season. I don't think he's set to be coming back anytime soon either. Um, they've got Jets, Jack Stednika, Zach Sanishin in the system as well. They've got some defense prospects that are, uh, that are interesting in Urhovakanainen. Um, and who else? Yeah, Jeremy Lozon. Uh, so they just got lots of options there. Uh, do you think that they look at packaging up a couple of those prospects and, or a pick in a prospect in terms of making a, a swing for the fences and trying to land a Panarin? Well, it's certainly, uh, I, I, 
I could see them going after any kind of big game, but uh, you know, you hear what the insiders are talking about. You know, they're a little bit gun shy after how things went with Rick Nash. So I do, um, I do wonder if they would prefer to save some of their bigger pieces, like their first round pick and, you know, their, their absolute top of the line prospects um, for guys who wouldn't be a rental for them. Uh, I, I think they would explore the rental option more if, uh, if it was someone they could talk to before uh, actually pulling off the trade and seeing if an extension is possible. And if so, I think they would, they would plunge the larger assets in there. But I mean, you know, with some of the names that are out there um, at, at the very high end of the market, like if you're, if you're going to be spending a first round pick, I mean, getting a guy who can drive a line like Panarin or Mark Stone, then, you know, go ahead, spend the first round pick. It's going to be in the twenties anyway. Like that picks, you know, 50, 50 chance you're even going to turn out an NHL player. So, you know, why not spend it on a guy who can absolutely, you know, change a game single-handedly. Yeah. Or follow the, uh, San Jose Evander Kane trade model where it's a conditional first round pick. If you're able to resign him, that might be an option that they might be willing to, uh, to pallet as well. Um, yeah, so I think there's lots of opportunity for Boston to be active at the trade deadline. I'm pretty sure that some of their prospects will be involved. Um, could be a good opportunity for some of their prospects to get a better opportunity as well as Boston is a good team. They've got a full roster. They've got a full prospect bench too. So if you're a player like um, Cleric, uh, um, you know, you're kind of buried in the organization there be a good opportunity to, to maybe increase your your role in a new organization. Uh, okay, Buffalo Sabres. They have been a bit of a surprise team this year. They've done a little bit better than I think a lot of people maybe thought they would. Um, they're in the hunt for a playoff spot. Uh, will they be will they could they possibly be buyers? I, I don't see them being buyers. I, I don't see the sense that they need to like I don't see any way that they're going to ultimately break through um, beyond that huge winning streak that they had early in the season. They've been mostly uh, a non-playoff team. So, you know, I I don't see that there's enough there that they're going to go out and and really commit resources um, towards buying up players, especially rentals. Like what what would be the point? Um, They're not in a playoff spot the way a surprise team like New Jersey was last year, where it was like, okay, we'll reward the guys. Like they played really well. They got us back into a playoff spot. This is exciting. Okay. We're going to reward the team. We're going to go spend some fringe assets um, and go out and buy some rentals and, and see what we can do. But they're, they're not quite at that level. And they also don't really have a whole lot to sell. Um, so I think they're just going to kind of hold flat and, and be happy that they're going to be playing competitive games down the stretch. Hopefully they don't fall too far out of it, that uh, the games become completely meaningless and they're just going to kind of hold with what they have. And I mean, really what they should be doing um, is trying to bring up, you know, a guy or two here and there, see if they can get them into some, some competitive games uh, at the NHL level and start experimenting with, you know, what, what might this team look like next year? Yeah. Players like Lawrence Pilot and Victor Olofsson, or maybe even Alex Nylander. What's your take on where his status is in his career? Uh, well, I had him in uh, in a fantasy league at one point um, uh, earlier this season, and I was more than happy to sell high 
on uh, on the name value of him uh, being a, a recent lottery pick. Um, I don't know. Just looking at the numbers, it doesn't seem like there's been a ton of uh, ton of success at the AHL level. So it's uh, I'm not too too excited about what he's done. But uh, you know, I, I would like to see what he might be able to do at the NHL level. Um, but I, I think he probably has to earn that first. Yeah, for sure. All right, Calgary Flames. They're having a very good season. They have some interesting decisions to make are they content with their goaltending situation are they content with sam bennett is he a player that they might be willing to include in a trade to land them a big fish uh what do you uh what do you see calgary doing this time next week you know i i I'd really like to see Calgary just hold steady with what they've got. Um, you, you look at what they've already gone on their roster and um, they're already getting huge contributions from young guys in the system. Like their third pairing with, uh, with Shillington and Rasmussen has been, uh, has been really solid. It was good when they had Valimaki there. Um, he's a guy who's, uh, you know, he might come back up, although I think they would prefer to have a, uh, a veteran uh, in the mix. Um, so maybe the, you know, they shop cheap and, and get a, a nice uh, rental veteran defenseman uh, for that bottom pairing. But, you know, I don't think they need to go out and spend huge um, because, you know, their top six is rolling. They're kind of just starting to see some returns from James Neal being added. They did a whole bunch of work um, in the offseason reworking that roster. So why, you know, add more um reconfigurations to that just as you're hitting your stride especially when you probably have some you know internal options there with uh, Mangia Payne or uh, Dubé being able to come up and I mean their AHL team is probably not a playoff team anyway so those guys are going to be up for the playoff run you might as well actually maybe have them play roles you know rather than going out spending future assets maybe giving up one of those guys just to just to add another big piece i mean you know if you could go out and get a stone or panarin then yeah sure spend the major assets but otherwise just hold on and you know you've already got a, a whole ton of a, of a reworked roster that's playing well so keep that going Interesting. All right. Carolina Hurricanes, they are definitely looking like sellers. They've got a number of players on the trade block from Michael Furland to Dougie Hamilton, um, a couple defensemen as well. They're not going to be making the playoffs. Um, what's going on with Hamilton? This will be, if he gets traded, that'll be what his fourth team in uh, about six seasons, maybe. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, uh, you know, if you looked at some of the underlying numbers of the the Hamilton Giordano pairing, you you might have thought actually it was Hamilton who was driving the bus there. But uh, I mean, you look at what Giordano's doing this year, and it's like holy mackerel! Like that guy's still friggin' you know top flight defenseman. So, um, but Hamilton's also doing really well, and you know he's he's a classic second half guy for whatever the re- the reason is his uh his numbers pick up in the second half he's doing it again and i mean you wrote off carolina as a playoff team i suppose i did the same with buffalo but like carolina's right there in the playoff hunt and i mean they're still without their quote unquote uh, top six centerman in, in Jordan Stahl. He's going to be coming back pretty soon here. Um, they might decide to treat Furland as an own rental. I know that they want to trade a right 
shot defensemen so they have room to bring Adam Fox up, but like all their defensemen are really good. So you're probably looking at more of a uh, quote unquote hockey trade. If they are trading one of their defensemen, I think uh, at this stage, it's probably Justin Falk. Who's the odd man out Um, whether they can get value for him or not is the question. I think the rest of the league also properly values that Pesci and Hamilton are better uh, of that trio. So they might, you know, not be able to get the price that they want for a guy like Falk, but he's got a year left on his deal. They should be able to get something for him. So, you know, there's, they've got names out there on the trade block, but I don't know that they're going to be big time sellers so much as they are quote unquote reworkers. That's a really great point. I think they're in the market for a hockey trade. Uh, And I'm glad you brought up the name Adam Fox. I've talked about him on last week's episode after having watched some beanpot games and as far as i'm concerned this is a player that's that's ready for prime time he's good to go i think carolina is going to be highly motivated to sign him up burn the first year of his contract for him just to make sure that they they get him under contract because if he goes back to college next year all signs are pointing to him becoming an unrestricted free agent and i think that Carolina would want to avoid that at all costs. They have other defensemen in their system as well who could be looking at a call-up. And Roland McEwen and Jake Bean. McEwen would be in his, I think, third season of pro now. And Jake Bean's in his first, I believe it is. So, um, yeah, they have a, a, a log jam on the blue line. And as we mentioned a few minutes ago, the uh, looming expansion draft will certainly play a factor in their decision-making here as well. Uh, and not to mention... Martin Netcash and Yanni Kukin are having great seasons in Charlotte as well. So Carolina has a, a whole bunch of good players and might, they might be looking at trading a, a couple of quarters for a dollar kind of trade where they package up um, a, a prospect or two and a player off the roster in an attempt to get a non-rental player to join mm-hmm. their, their roster. And that's a team that they're they're just dying for some kind of uh, of top six score to to join the mix. I mean, certainly, um, you know, I was joking a little bit about Stahl not being a top six center before because you know they're really looking for you know a, a top six centerman with some size who can you know who can actually produce a, a, like a top six centerman um, that you would be expecting. I think Sebastian Ajo has done fantastic work. He's their number one centerman. He is an all-star. He's a brilliant player, but uh, it'd be nice to have uh, more of a matchup type centerman in behind him, but one who can who can really produce some offense. And I think uh, down the line, they're hoping that Martin Nekash is that guy. Um, he's not going to be that guy this year. I don't see them giving him uh, too many minutes this year because of uh, of that expansion draft factor. You know, his his contract's going to roll over to next season with the entry level slide. Um, so they're they're not going to want to give him a full season um, and have him have to be exposed in in that expansion draft. Right, right. Really like the job that uh, Ron Francis did in Carolina. I think he was. Uh, I think he was let go too soon. Well, let's move on and let's talk a little bit about uh, Chicago. Don't look now, but Chicago Blackhawks are kind of back in the playoff mix here. They've been red hot lately, especially Kane. Uh, so they're they're in that middle ground too, where and it's really hard to say if they want to be buyers or sellers. They've got Anisimov's names on the trade block. They've got some prospects in the system as well, but not a bevy of them. 
Uh, I think Chicago just might be in a stand pat situation. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that uh, I think they would sell some some of the fringe veteran pieces off their roster if they could. But I think they're they're happy continuing to be uh, to be competitive, and, and certainly they're happy with uh, with the returns they're getting on some of the young guys um, that they're that they're bringing along. Um, Dylan Strom in the trade, he's almost point per game now uh, since the since the trade, and and that was after a bit of a slow start. So you know, new coach seems to be good with the young guys. Um, I think a, a lot of folks would uh, love to see Henry Yoki Haru uh, back up with the team, but uh, I think his role really got uh, diminished um, under the new coach with uh, with uh, Gustafson there um, mm-hmm. taking a lot of that uh, that number one type power play role, uh, which Yoki Haru uh, had been playing under Quenville. So you know maybe just keep him down there in the AHL. And if you happen to make a, a playoff run, then he comes back up and gets a bit of experience that way. And they have Adam Boquist playing in the OHL with the London Knights doing just great. And then they also have um, Darren Radish, who's doing fantastic for them in the AHL. And there is another player that's part of that old Erie Otters connection, Stroman to uh, mm. So it'd be really interesting to see if, if Darren Radish can, can make the jump. He's a player that they signed as a, to an AHL contract out of junior as a free agent. They've since then, after his one first year pro season, they signed him to uh, an NHL contract. So they could call him up. Uh, I personally would love to see it. Uh, it. Remains to be seen if that'll happen or not. I, I believe I saw Darren Radish just got traded. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got traded to uh, the Rangers for uh, one of the Hollands. Peter did Holland. That, did that happen today? Yeah, that happened under an hour ago. Well, there you go. Breaking breaking news on a live-to-tape podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll circle back on Radish when we get to the Rangers. Uh, Colorado, they are uh, they're trending away from a, plot, a playoff spot. They're still within striking distance. Right now, they're three points out. Um, I don't see them as having too many players that they'd be looking to sell uh they could be buyers they've got some prospects who are on the cusp i think cal mccarr is going to turn pro after this season tyson jost has split some time between the nhl and the ahl um they've got senators first round pick coming to them they've got their own first round pick so there's a lot of options in different ways colorado could go uh i guess roll the dice and see uh see what happens with them yeah, I think uh, if they're going to be anything, they're probably going to be sellers. I mean, they probably should uh, still be in this playoff hunt, just given how dominant that top line was to start the year. But uh, I think there's still some structural issues with uh, with the talent uh, throughout the rest of that roster. I know uh, Tyson Berry is constantly rumored to be on the outs. And uh, as you referenced Makar earlier, he's a guy who could jump into Barry's role maybe as early as this year. Um, so certainly if they could extract some more value out of, uh, out of trading Barry, who's only got, I believe a year left on his deal um, that could maybe stack up a bit more talent. Um, that's going to be along the same track line as uh, some of the young players they've got coming up. And that could uh, turn them into quite the juggernaut in a couple of years. Uh, something similar to what we've seen from Winnipeg where, you know, you get, uh, you get a couple of different players, um, 
cohorts coming up, you know, where one is still kind of hanging on to being elite and then you've got another pushing up through the system and suddenly you've you've got top six talent playing in bottom six roles and it, it's fantastic. And, you know, you're able to light up uh, opponents on a, uh, on a nightly basis. So that's something that if I was planning out the Colorado roster, I'd be thinking, well, you know, if we keep losing this year, so be it, we'll have two lottery picks. Those guys will be up in a couple of years and suddenly our lineup is going to be absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the impact players, the core players they have now are, are all really young. So there's plenty of tread on the tire there in Colorado. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't burn too much of that rubber off right now, trying to squeeze in a, a couple playoff games this season. Columbus blue jackets. Uh, they're big time players of the trade deadline. Artemi Panarin is potentially the biggest chip in the game. Bobrovsky is the best goaltender in the pool here. Uh, they could both be traded that neither one of them could be traded. Uh, Columbus is in a playoff spot right now, so you make the argument that um, they are their own rental players. Um, if I'm Jarmo Kekalainen, I'm listening to trade offers on these guys, and I would make a trade for one of these guys, but it would have to be a pretty solid return, something that has a lot of uh, futures potential and doesn't leave me high and dry right now. And the other side of the equation with this is you look at what's in the system and they have some pretty decent prospects. Uh, Vitaly Abramov is a player I'm really high on personally. Uh, if they move uh, Bobrovsky, JF Barube is a, a fringe goalie between NHL, AHL tweener. Uh, he could come up. Uh, Emil Bemstrom is a, a good prospect they have playing over in Sweden. And then, of course, Sonny Milano. A lot of people may be thinking he's a bit of a bust. Uh, some people who follow Columbus closely don't think that he is, that he's just not getting a fair shake in Columbus. So maybe he's a player that would be a good trade candidate, actually, for Columbus. Uh, what's your thoughts on Blue Jackets? Yeah, I mean, they could go absolutely any direction here. I mean, they're in a playoff spot, like you said. So if I was them, I wouldn't be selling. Um, obviously, you always listen. Um I don't know if I was an NHL team, I would be listening on every single player. Um, just gather intel, see what's out there, right? And uh, it, it would take something absolutely, you know, bombastic for me to trade away uh, either of those franchise type guys. I know you're not going to be able to re-sign them. That's fine. You know, use them as your own rentals. Go on this playoff run. Who knows? Crazy things could happen. You know, they they damn near beat the Stanley Cup champions last year. Um, I, I see no reason why they couldn't. You know, based on based on the playoff format, they couldn't go on a run to the conference finals. And then who knows, right? So I mean, you know, you talked about them having some stuff in the system. I don't know. I think their system's pretty pretty weak. Myself, I don't think they have anyone who you know is is really chomping at the bit to come up. Uh, certainly, you know, you mentioned Sonny Milano. He's probably the closest to being NHL ready. Uh, didn't they have him up earlier in the year? And Trotz was kind of like, well, yeah, like this guy's going to play in an offensive role because he's an offensive guy. And I don't know. They need offense and he's not with the club right now. So, you know, I have a bit of questions about whether he's actually a guy who could come up and, uh, and make an impact for them. Um, maybe just one of those tweener guys. I don't know. I'd like to see him up again, but, uh, probably not this season, uh, unless they do some major selling. 
But uh, yeah, if I'm that team, I, I would almost consider, you know, taking some of those prospects that you mentioned and just pushing them in and saying, you know what, we're going all in this year. We've got, you know, it, it, you do everything you can to get talented players like Bobrovsky and Panarin into your system so you can try to win. And then you just going to sell those guys because you can't resign them. Like, I, I get it, but you also got to make sure that you get a really, really, really strong return. Otherwise, you might as well just make the run with those guys. And, and I would take some of the prospects that they do have. I would try to trade them, you know, maybe go after a Stone or a Duchesne, something like that. Like, just just double down and then explode the, the franchise after you don't sign all your UFAs. Yeah, I think we're seeing a shift in perception in the NHL and the hockey culture and the and the management and the fan bases as well, where in the past, the concept of losing star players to unrestricted free agency for nothing was was unacceptable, unfathomable. That's terrible asset management. And then even after that happened to the New York Islanders with John Tavares this this last summer, I mean, where are the Islanders now? They're doing just fine. They're all right. They inherited a whole bunch of cap space. Um, and if anyone's in a, in a fantasy league like the one you or I were in, the UHL, where the salary cap structure works just like it does in the NHL, and you can't just drop bad contracts off your roster. You're stuck with them. It's very hard to have a, a roster that's full of highly valuable contributing players. Opening up $7 million in cap space from losing one player isn't a bad thing. It gives you lots of options uh, to to do things with your roster and hold on to your younger players who need new contracts or uh, fill a hole in another position via free agency. Um, cap space is a very valuable asset. And if Columbus goes on a playoff run with Panarin and Bob and wins a round or two, or heaven forbid they win the Stanley Cup, and then lose both those players off the books next summer for nothing... It's not nothing. They gain a whole bunch of cap space that'll be really, really valuable. All right. Uh, that's enough on Columbus. Let's talk about uh, Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars are... They're in. They're in a playoff spot. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be sellers. Um, and I don't think they have too many really interesting prospects that factor into this conversation, quite frankly. No, I mean, you know, their biggest guys are kind of already up contributing to the main team. Um, you know, Miro Heiskanen is, you know, he's he's already a top pair defenseman. Uh, Rupa Hintz is, is up with the team now. Uh, I would imagine that he would be a guy that teams would target. Um, you know, Ty Delandria, their, their, their top pick from last year, probably teams would be asking about that. Their first rounder, maybe Denis Gurionov. Um if they can sell anyone on Julius Honka, I'm sure they would love to find a buyer for that uh, at a high price. Um, I think they're buyers. I mean, you look at the the reaction from the front office with that uh, with that whole horseshit thing, and um, certainly yeah. they have high expectations, um, probably higher expectations than they should have. Um, this team doesn't have a whole lot of offense. They could sure stand to go out and do some big game hunting add a big offensive player. They've got some bigger contracts coming off the books um, after this year, like Jason Spetzes. So, you know, they might have a little bit of money to play with. Uh, they're in Texas and so no tax, uh, no state income tax state. So, you know, that, that could be favorable to them re-signing one of these, one of these big names. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to 
put the first rounder in play. Um, they haven't really exactly drafted all that well with their first rounders um, outside of the lottery anyway. So, uh, you know, why not put a first rounder, whatever prospect in play, if that can net you um, one of the top guys on the market? Yeah, pretty much any other prospects would be available as far as I'm concerned, with the exception of Miro Heiskanen, who not really a prospect anymore. Uh, but they've got Jake Ottinger, uh, Colton Point in between the pipes, and uh, Jason Robertson is another player that you didn't mention who's been at the uh, top of the OHL scoring leaders all season long. Uh, really like that player as a prospect, um, and I think they might be willing to part with him if if they can fetch them a player that they think will give them what they need to, to win a couple rounds and do some damage in the playoffs. All right, Detroit Red Wings, they are out. They are sellers. Gustav Nyquist, maybe Jimmy Howard, uh, Glenn Denning. Those are all players who we're hearing in the rumor mill as uh, available. Uh, players that they have in the system that they might be looking at calling up or giving some more opportunity to. Dennis Chalowski has kind of been between... Joe Higgins has had a cup of coffee a couple times in the NHL. I like that player. Uh, Yuri Seryarvi is um, another defenseman they have. Uh, I really like his offensive upside. Of course, Philip Zadina, although I think Zadina, like Neshkash, is going to be a player that they maybe try and insulate for expansion draft, to your earlier point. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit of Red Wings. Where do you see them going? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're obviously sellers. Um there's been a lot of talk out of Detroit about how they don't want to tear down the infrastructure entirely. They, they do believe that there's a lot of value um, in keeping veterans around who can, you know, who have won and will have the respect to the young guys and can teach them how to be pros. Um, basically they don't want to go full scorched earth a la Edmonton because, well, we've seen how poorly that goes. Like even if, not to go too far into the Edmonton tangent, but, you know, even if we say um, that the Oilers did really poorly in the Hall-Larsen deal, which they almost certainly did, um, you wonder if that almost, if that trade wasn't almost required just to get Hall up to that MVP level because he realizes, oh, this is a business, okay, I've got to, you know, treat this like a business, that type of thing. Like just the, the mental aspect of it, the, the off ice aspect of it. I mean, certainly on ice, like, you know, the most talented player that had come through Edmonton uh, until, you know, Connor McDavid did. So you look at Detroit and, you know, they've got some younger guys coming through, but I mean, how many young guys do you really want to have in your lineup? Um, I think they're happy keeping some veterans around, so they're not going to sell everyone off i think they might keep jimmy howard around but um just looking at the prospects prospects that might come up um like you mentioned zadina i i could see him getting five six games at the end of the year um but they're not going to want to burn a year off his elc so uh they're going to make sure he doesn't play more than nine games um i think that they will have him up but their grand rapids is also a good um a good AHL team. So he can be a part of their playoff run there. You know, they'll probably bring him up, give him a taste, um, you know, keep him happy that sort of way, but then head back down to the AHL, give us a good playoff run. Let's see what you got. Yeah. All right. You, but you mentioned the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they are, they're a lottery team again. Surprise, surprise. Poor Connor McDavid. So I don't know if they have much to sell. Uh, Chase on reader. Um, I think they'd be foolhardy to trade Jesse Pugliarvi, but it seems like that is a legitimate possibility. Uh, they do have some young 
players in the system that I kind of like. Uh, Evan Bouchard, Tyler Benson, Cooper Marodi, uh, Ethan Jones, Kyle Yamamoto, Dmitry Samarukov. Uh, I'm not sure how many of those players are are ready to jump on into the NHL, if any yet. Um, what do you, <laughs> what's going on with Edmonton? What are they going to do? Well, I mean, they're probably going to try to be sellers. I know that they really wanted to have a playoff push this year. Listen, it's not in the cards. It's not going to happen. You, they, nope. They've fallen way, way too far out of it at this point. I mean, technically, they're still in the race. I think they're like seven points back. But realistically, like this team has, hasn't been good outside of, you know, a minor stretch in like November, December. Uh, otherwise, they've been, you know, they've been a lottery team. And they need to accept that. So, um you know, I really like some of the names uh, that they've got in their in their AHL system possibly coming up. You know, we already saw Caleb Jones. Uh, he drowned when they asked him to be a top pairing guy, um, but he did a lot better in more of a depth role. So I think he's almost certainly going to be a guy who plays for them next year. Um, but this is a team. They're bad. They don't have a whole lot to sell. And right now their AHL team is on a crazy run. Um so they're probably just going to keep, you know, their better prospects down in the AHL. Uh, let them marinate some more. Like their, their highest end guys are ones who aren't even playing well anyway. So, you know, pull RVs drowning at the AHL level or sorry, at the NHL level and they won't send him down. Now he's on IR. Um, Yamamoto just getting healthy, scratched playing five, six minutes a night. So now he's down in the AHL and he's n- not even really a top sixer down there um, just with all the talent. Um, that they kind of have been building up uh, at that level. So I think, you know, you might see some of the fringe guys getting called up. Like they just called up Josh Curry after putting Pugliarvi on IR. So, you, you know, you might see some of those way older, way fringe guys, but in terms of like the top, more top prospects, like uh, like Bear and Benson and Jones, those guys are probably just going to stay down on the AHL and marinate and hopefully they go on a really long playoff run. And, you know, this is, uh, hopefully this is a bumper crop that actually is part of the next winning Edmonton team. Yeah, protect those those top prospects from the whatever is happening in Edmonton situation. Uh, I think the problems that are happening in Edmonton are the kind of things that won't be fixed at the trade deadline. Uh, they've got bigger issues to solve up top. Florida Panthers. Let's uh, let's talk about the Sunshine State. There, they are. They're in the middle of a playoff hunt. They're about well, almost ten points out. Actually, I don't like their chances. Um. Huberto's name has come up in trade rumors. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with that. Of course, they got Derek Broussard recently, who seems to be someone that they want to flip. Uh, they've got some really great prospects. I like the Florida Panthers system. Jace Haraluk, uh Borgstrom, Hepo, Niami, Owen Tippett. Those are some players that I think uh, I wouldn't want to move if I was Florida. So I think they might be looking at being more sellers than buyers, but sellers off their NHL roster. If they've got any expiring contracts, what's your take on Huberto and what's going on with Florida? Yeah, I don't really see a ton of logic around selling Huberto. I mean, like all, all the fire kind of surrounding them is, um, is about them looking to make that huge free agency splash, um, potentially both, Panarin and Bobrovsky, uh, 
you know, the word is they kick tires on trading for them this year. Um, doesn't make sense to give up assets for those guys when you can go out and sign them as UFAs. And frankly, if you're signing them as UFAs, it's almost better because these guys are at an age where you don't want to commit eight years. I would much rather commit seven years. And the fact that it caps you out at seven years, it can't even really be held over your head um, the way that, uh, or that eighth year can't be held over your head the way that it would be if you were signing with a, with a hometown team. So, um, you know, that may not come at a tax of a little bit of extra AAV if they do decide they, you know, they want to go big game hunting in free agency. And there, there's some logic to that, but why are you subtracting um, really talented players in their prime on value contracts to right. go do that? So um, I don't know. I, I, I think the best move is just sell off some fringe pieces. You know, a, a contender's probably given you a fifth or a sixth rounder for Troy Brower. So go ahead and do that. And, you know, they already, they already got some, some, uh, their cap issues off. Um, so they should be in a better position to, uh, to go big game hunting in free agency. I don't know. Would, would they trade a, a higher pick to get off a salary like James Reimers? You know, I think that's probably something they would be more likely to do uh, in and around the draft just because there's a lot more flexibility to do something like that. So, um, I don't know. Borgstrom's already up with the team now. Um, I could see them holding Pat. Maybe they trade a Derek Broussard. Like, I know they're talking about keeping him and, you know, maybe they can sign him for cheap this summer if he really likes it down there, if he turns out to be a fit. But, you know, they're probably going to repurpose him. And then, yeah, and they just kind of grind it out to another non-playoff finish. Yeah, it makes sense, like you said, for them to uh, expunge themselves of some fringe players and maybe open up some roster spots for some of those prospects that I mentioned. Move some guys up onto the roster that have more upside. Los Angeles Kings are in the bottom of the basement. They are sellers for sure. Uh, they might be looking at freeing up some cap space by getting rid of uh, players like Haglin. Jeff Carter is an interesting player. I think they might be able to get some good return for him. Uh, they don't have a whole heck of a lot in their system. Sheldon Rempel, Kel Clegg. Uh, they recently acquired a couple of prospects in Grundstrom. Um, Sherback, a bit of a reclamation prospect there. Um, I think they're they're going to be buyers in terms of looking for prospects. Um, so if you've got LA Kings prospects in the system, I think they're about to get some competition in your fantasy league. Uh, you see the Kings going in the same direction? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're obviously sellers. And, and the really interesting thing with them is their AHL team is bad too. So down the stretch, you're probably going to see some guys getting called up um, should the minutes warrant it. Like they've already had a bunch of guys filtering through the system just because of injuries and, and that sort of thing. You know, we've already seen Matt Luff whatever that is, um, make an appearance. Um, and I, I'd like to see Grundstrom, uh, make an appearance, uh, get a taste, see what he can do, maybe give him some top six run. Um, just cause that's a, a really talented guy producing at, at a high level, um, in the AHL. And, you know, he's on the trajectory that tends to portend to, um, to guys being a legitimate uh, NHL player, um, even if it's, you know, in a bottom six role, but, you know, 
now's the time to experiment with does this guy have some chemistry with some of our top guys you know um we're seeing adrian kempe show some flashes lately um back in back in a top six role again um when carter was recently hurt so you know it, it could be valuable to bring up a guy like grunstrom and see if he can pair with kempe and if they have some chemistry suddenly that's you know maybe that's your third line for next year if you're trying to be competitive then all right. Uh, Minnesota Wild. They are holding on to a playoff spot barely. They don't have a lot in their system. Um, probably buyers, probably standing pat, if not. I think they're sellers. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the slide that they're on, like it's it's no coincidence. They've been inconsistent all year, and they just lost their captain, most uh, consistent player. And they already didn't have a lot of talent at the center position. Like they made the uh, the subtraction trade, uh, trading Niederreiter for Rask uh, just to address that positional need. And now Rask is hurt and Koivu's hurt. Like they, they really don't have a lot down the middle. Um, Eric Stahl is having another you know, contract year nightmare where I I don't think he, I don't think he psychologically likes the situation of potentially being a rental player. Um, If I was them, I'd be exploring, you know, how can we get this guy under contract so we get, get him playing comfortably again. Um, He wants to be there. He probably sign at a reasonable amount. Um, Certainly, you know, you don't want to be investing too much term or AAV in an older guy, but you know, he's all you have at the center position. Clearly your team still wants to make the playoffs, um, but you can, you know, you can do a little bit of both um, and with a guy who wants to be there anyway. Um, and they don't have a ton to call up to keep themselves in the mix anyway. So um, I think, I think they'll sell off some pieces. They've, they've already been experimenting with it, but um, yeah, they're, they're not going to be buyers because they, they really don't have anything to, to hang their hat on uh, in terms of buying. Like they, they would just be setting themselves really farther back if, if they yeah. hadn't bought. Whatever they do, I, I don't think they'll be prominent players come the next week. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, they are holding on to a roster spot also in the playoffs, a wild card. Um, don't really have a read on, on Montreal. Um, in terms of expiring contracts or or prospects that they have that I'm interested in. Um, what's your, what's your take on the Habs? Well, they've already said that they don't want to do um, anything for a rental, but I mean, it's Bergevin. He says whatever he's going to say, and then he's going to do what he's actually going to do. Right. Um, Their AHL team is one of the worst um, Mm -hmm. out there. So, you know, whatever prospects they do have are probably going to be making their way up. They've had a bunch of guys who are kind of back and forth uh, between the NHL and AHL all season, uh, specifically on defense, like Noah Jolson and, uh, Victor Mete, those guys have been kind of riding back and forth. Um, probably their top prospects at this point, uh, if we're not counting uh, Kotkin Niemi, uh, they're all playing either overseas or in college. So these guys aren't going to be making an impact right away um, unless, you know, uh, Ryan Paling's team falls right out of it and they're able to get him signed to a contract lickety split. And um, maybe he comes in as a, you know, as a ace in the hole that way. But otherwise, like, I, I think they'll be adding, but they're not going to be, you know, spending big prospects to do it. Right. 
National Predators have been uh, rumored to be interested in big guns like uh, yes, Panarin as well. Yes, up for Eli Tolvin and getting traded. Right? Yes. I think uh, that would do him a world of good if you own him in a fantasy league and he gets traded for whomever. I, I'd, you'd be happy about that. Plus, they also have uh, Fabro coming up from college as well. I think he's going to be playing for Nashville before the season is over. Uh, I put Nashville down as, as clear cut buyers. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're buying, this is their window. Um, they're probably going to start looking at expansion draft type maneuvering as early as, uh, the off season. But right now it's how can we push chips in to get better? Like they already, they bought Cody McLeod, which goodness knows what that does for them. But they also spent a second round pick on Brian Boyle, who he plays in all phases. So that clearly this is a team that's buying. I think Tolvanen is probably highly available just because of how good the rental players are that are available. Like you don't want to give up a guy like Tolvanen, especially like when you're when you're able to get him with a a late first round pick, and then suddenly, well, maybe this guy was actually a top ten, top fifteen talent. So you got a lottery pick without actually having a lottery pick, which is fantastic. But if you've got the chance to trade him in for a run with Panarin, well, you do that, and um, I would have no issues pushing that chip in there for an absolute first line player. So I, I have to get Mark Stone or uh, Artemi Panarin if I'm putting that chip on the table, but I have, I would have no issues putting that chip on the table to get that kind of player. Would you agree that that increases his fantasy value as well? Uh, most Tolvanen. likely because I mean, you know, when's he going to get those top line minutes in Nashville when right. they've already got two dynamite, um, top line wingers uh whereas you know on a weaker team weaker expectations you know maybe he can get 18 minutes a game with top line power play minutes so um yeah i would certainly be interested um in tolvanen on a weaker team that might decide hey let's give this kid some run but the flip side is he's probably not getting too much run this year because he's another one of those uh below 20 year old players playing in the AHL. So, you know, no one's going to needlessly expose them to the expansion draft um, if they're not winning anyway. So why bring them up? Fair enough. All right. Moving right along. New Jersey Devils. They are in a lottery pick position for sure. I think they're going to be sellers. Uh, Johansson, Lovejoy, those kind of guys, nothing terribly impactful. Uh, I don't think that they have a lot of, prospects that they'd be looking at calling up either maybe mike mcleod who's in the ahl uh the rest of their top prospects are in junior um i don't see them as being really prominent players at the deadline no they're they're sellers but they've only got really fringe pieces to deal with Um, yeah with with all their injuries though like they've had a ton of guys kind of up and filling filling different roles for them like Brett Senny is he's played like top six minutes for them at certain times. Joey Anderson, when he's not been hurt, he's been playing a role. Um, we've seen Quenville up playing a role for them as well uh, at various times this year. Like 
their their system is getting stretched by all the injuries that they've had. So we've seen a lot of guys already kind of get some exposure. Um, Joey Anderson's a guy that I really like. So, you know, hopefully he can be healthy for the rest of the year and, you know, show you some flashes of what he might be able to do on a winning team. Indeed. All right. We spoke about the Islanders a minute ago with the uh, John Tavares signing. They have been having a very surprising season. They are not even in a wild card spot. They're just in. They're in it with 76 points. Uh, I'd be looking at them as potentially buyers. And I think they've got a couple really interesting chips and prospects that they could, that you'd be able to get from them that I think they'd be really interested or willing to move. And that's Josh Hosang, uh, who has been a bit of an enigma and Michael Dalcole, who's finally starting to come around at the AHL level. Uh, those are kind of reclamation prospects uh, they've got some other prospects as well. The other Sebastian Aho, Kiefer Bellows, Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, so there's a lot to work with with the New York Islanders. I think they're kind of in a similar situation as the Boston Bruins. Um, they're looking at supplemental offense, and they got a lot of pieces they can play with. Um, do you see it that way too? Yeah, I mean, uh, the book on Lou Lamorello is he's not going to add at the trade deadline unless he thinks he can win it all. So can this team win at all? I no. don't know. Maybe, well, so the argument that you would make is their division is crap. Like the Metro, no one is, you know, showing themselves to be elite. Um, why couldn't they make the conference finals? And then who knows what happens? Well, Washington and Pittsburgh are in their division. Right. But those teams have been playing like doggy doo doo all year. So, you can yes, see but the their recent pedigree, too. yeah, their recent yeah. pedigree though is they're yeah. hogging all the Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. No, and I agree with you. Like, if I was the Islanders, I would hold fast. Like, who's to say that whoever they would go out and add, like, unless they're absolute big game hunting and getting Panarin, like, how are you pulling that off? What what kind of future are you mortgaging to get Panarin? Could you trade an expiring guy like Eberle and? Hosang, who doesn't seem to be in your plans anyway, to get him. Like I, I don't know that that's going to be enough. Um, so I wouldn't mortgage any of the future, and I would be experimenting with bringing Hosang up, seeing if he can add that offense for you. What about Otto Koivula? Could he be? You know, he's almost point per game at the as an uh, as an AHL rookie, I believe. And I mean, at, at 20 years old. So you know, could he be? a trade deadline edition, but you're doing it in house instead of actually having to make a trade. Yeah. I, I think the Islanders have a lot of options and they'll be an interesting team to follow as well. And, uh, their counterparts in New York, the Rangers are out of a playoff spot by about 10 points. So they're going to be sellers as well. They've got, uh, a lot of players that I think they could be looking to make available. Kevin Hayes, uh, Zuccarello, McQuaid, Kreider, um, to name a few, they do have some interesting prospects: Elias Anderson, Philip Hedl, Anthony D'Angelo, uh, Strom. So they've got some some prospects in the system, uh, but I think they'll be looking to to clear some roster space on their NHL roster with uh, as being sellers. Oh, absolutely! Right? Yeah. yeah, these guys are selling, except for when they're buying radishes. Yeah. <laughs> 
thing. But, full uh, circle, full circle yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're you know Hartford, the Wolfpack. They're not they're not going to be an AHL playoff team. So you know, very good opportunity for any prospects um, playing at that level to get some run at the NHL level um, after this big sell off happens. Uh, depending on whether it does happen or not, they've certainly got a lot of guys on expiring deals who could be on the move out. Um, I just wonder if they're going to be able to make all the trades that they want to make uh, up, up leading up to the deadline. Like certainly some of the groundwork ha- has already been done, but they've got a lot of guys to move out um, if they want to sell off all their rentals and even the guys with a, a year remaining on the deal, like Kreider and Nemesnikov, like they've got a lot of guys who could be on the move. Are they even going to be able to make all these moves? Maybe not at the trade deadline, but the, then there's the draft as well. They do have a lot of, and they are, they've been acquiring prospects for some time now. So, and they've been doing a really good job of of stockpiling young talent, um, making some great draft picks. Kravtsov and Keandre Miller at the draft last year. They made a, an additions of Brett Howden and Leo Hayek from Tampa Bay last year as well. Um, so yeah, I think they're definitely in a in a fast forward rebuild phase where they're acquiring assets at an exponential rate uh, that are prospects and young players. So I don't expect that to change at the trade deadline. All right. The, uh, the big, big gun in the whole shebang that's probably going to get everything started would be the Ottawa senators. I think once they start making their decision on whether or not they can sign Duchesne or stone, that's when uh, it's going to hit the fan. And the trades are going to start pouring in. Uh, so Ottawa, clearly sellers, despite the fact that they don't have their first round pick. Uh, they are at the bottom of the NHL standings. Colorado is just absolutely loving this. Uh, Duchesne and Stone, big guns. Don't forget Dezingle, CC, Bodker. Um, we mentioned their top prospects playing in the AHL. Uh, Batherson, Brown, uh, those are players that you're likely not going to see get called up for the end of the season as they're pushing for a playoff run in the AHL. Um, I think the Sens are going to trade one or if both of their big guns. Well, I'm not a hockey insider, but that's just that's just me talking. Um, I think there's the opportunity for them to think, well, we're already pot committed with Duchesne. Let's sign him up to an eight-year contract that's way more than what he's worth. Just compounding a mistake and making it even worse going forward for another almost decade. Um, personally, if I were a Sens fan, I'd be hoping that they could trade him and avoid that bad decision. And uh, so long as the return that they get is amenable. Um, how do you see the Sens doing this trade deadline? I, I just keep coming back to how do you lose a guy like Stone? Like how? And like we we have no idea whether he's amenable to stay or not but just like who are you going to spend money on so just unload it 12 million a year 8 years 96 million let's do this like why not um because that's a long time and yeah. while that while that fits into their situation okie doke for now um that might not be the case come three years from now. And then you still have five years term on that contract. Yeah. I I don't know. Like why, why do you own a professional franchise if you're not going to re-sign superstars? 
Like uh, assuming he's willing to sign, right? Like what, why even be in the professional sports business? If you're not going to keep like, this is a top 30 player for sure. Like he'd be the best player on half of the NHL teams. Mm -hmm. Roughly like somewhere in that range, maybe, maybe less than that, maybe only a third, but clearly a franchise player, give him the franchise money figure out the rest like what are you getting that's replacing that and they've actually like you alluded to like they've got some really good prospects in the system but like in three years stone's probably still going to be worth 12 million so it's not going to kill you to do that he's he's the type of guy who's probably going to retain his value being as elite two-way as he is um i don't know I would be really doing everything possible to keep him there. And I mean, if they can't, then, then so be it, you know, they go out and make those trades. Um, and, and hopefully they're getting some really good young talent back in return. And draft picks. Yeah. Look, the senators, this is a topic that I've been toying with bringing up on the podcast for about a year now. They've been just a super duper dumpster fire for a long, long time. And they're making bad decisions and bad decisions. And, uh, I'm not sure that that's about to stop. So I think this trade deadline could be really interesting. And I think it could result in um, fans throwing jerseys on the ice before the season's over or waffles or whatever the Ottawa equivalent is going to be. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch regardless. Um, All right. So let's move on. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, They're kind of in the hunt. Probably not really. Uh, they probably should be a seller, especially with guys like Wayne Simmons, who they might not be able to afford anyways. Um, they do have some good prospects in their system. I like Philadelphia's situation. I think they've got some really great players on their team, young and and old, I suppose. Um, they have a nice mix. I think if they play their cards right, they could really put themselves in a really good situation for next season. Um, what do you think Philadelphia's going to do? Oh, that that poor GM that gets left holding the bag and giving Wayne Simmons a long-term contract this summer. Right. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, it it it's kind of it's kind of flabbergasting. Like I know that it takes a long time for um, people's opinions to to catch up. Like the with player reputations, it, it takes a lot longer for it to fade. Like Simmons isn't the guy that people make him out to be. Like he hasn't been for two years. So I think um, I think whatever they can get for him, I mean, like heck, they might they might pick up a fourth liner off some other teams just to match contract numbers, and that player might actually be more impactful than Simmons. Like certainly, uh, you know, I can't speak to his locker room impact or or uh, you know the the value of his physical intimidation, but just in terms of pure on ice results. He's not even an elite special teams guy anymore. Like he hasn't been doing it as an elite net front guy uh, at all this year. Like they would be much better served getting James Van Rieden like into that spot where he's been elite, you know, as early as or as as recently as last season. So um, Simmons hasn't been the guy that people think he is for two years. I think uh, I think sell him, get what you can. Um, they've got a ton of 
good young players on their way up. Um, Philly Myers just had his, uh, his NHL debut. Um, it's, it's exciting times going forward. You know, the, uh, the, they built things up the right way under Hextall. Um, let's hope uh, Fletcher doesn't ruin all that all that pain and good work that they uh, and patience that they went through to accrue all this young talent. Another GM I didn't think deserved to be fired. Um, yeah, you know, interesting points you made there about Wayne Simmons and his perceived value. I think a lot of that has to do with um, players' contracts, and he has had a great value contract when he was uh, a producing player and because that perception was allowed to be created. Uh, I think it's, it's, he's, he's writing on the, the momentum of that, that still. And then as soon as you have a player that goes from having a value contract to an expensive contract, you know, their stats and their performance on the ice might not change, but all of a sudden the, the perception of their value certainly does. And they go from being, um, I'm a great player to the goat, the guy wearing the goat horns. Um, Dion Phaneuf would be a, a good example of that, perhaps. Uh, anyhow, I hope that doesn't happen with with Simmons. Um, I own him in one of my fantasy leagues, so we won't trash talk him anymore here. <laughs> uh, okay, so Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, they like winning championships as long as you've got Crosby and Malkin on your team. I think you go for it. So I think they'll be... Um, wearing their buyer's hat, but I don't know what, what they have to buy with. They've kind of spent all of their reserves, right? They maybe some yeah. draft picks, but, um, they've got their first round pick. I don't know. Yeah. They, they don't have a whole heck of a lot else. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's blow by Pittsburgh. San Jose is another team. I think we can kind of, kind of blow by. I think they've done their free agent acquisition already and getting Eric Carlson at the beginning of the season. Um, Signing Evander Kane, um, I think San Jose would like to be buyers. Uh, I just, again, I'm not sure that they have a whole lot of assets to be buying with. And uh, like I said, I think they've already done their investment with the adding air of Air Carlson. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm fully on board with that. Like they've, I don't know, they've never been a, a team that's ever had like a loaded system, but it always seems like. Whoever their top guys are, they do, they do a very good job of making sure that those players get slowly integrated and, and end up playing key roles. Like it's not too often, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they sell a prospect and he ends up you know coming back to bite them. We haven't seen that a lot, and this is a team that has made a lot of trades uh, of prospects. You know, Charlie Coyle would be the one guy who's who's gone on to prominence and he's only been in every Minnesota trade rumor since he's been there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Another interesting team, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they it was around Christmas time. Everyone was available. They were trading everyone. And uh, then they call up Jordan Bennington, the savior. Now they're in a playoff spot. They're not even in a wild card spot. They're in a playoff spot. Um, I don't know if you would consider them to be sellers anymore. I mean, Luke Sh- or Braden Shen, Colton Pareko, Steen, Bomeister, uh, even Tarasenko's name was was mentioned as available earlier. But I think all bets are off now. I think they're they're back into the uh, into the buyer phase. You, you know, I wouldn't buy so, so long as they have faith in Jordan Bennington. If he can keep doing what he's doing, 
Well, you, um, you almost you almost have to. So St. Louis is very much in a similar position as um, as Calgary in that they made so many offseason moves, and it took till halfway through the year for their big guns to finally get going. Um, O'Reilly's been killing it for them all year. And, and it's nice that the rest of the team decided to join them. And suddenly, you know, they're a good team. Like these, these guys have been crazy. And, and uh, maybe a good chunk of that is Bennington's been playing well for them. So now they've got confidence to play in front of them. Now every, everything's falling into place. Um, listen, you know, Bennington could be a mirage, but who's the goalie that you're going out and getting, um, especially for a franchise that has already done the big game hunting uh, at the deadline of a goaltender and it didn't work. So, you know, don't go down that road again. Like you never know, like if you really don't have a goaltender and uh, then you can go out and you can make, you know, the Devin Dubnik edition, uh, the, his first year in Minnesota, you know, suddenly, okay, this team's taken off because they had, nothing for goaltending all year. Um, and you could have said that in St. Louis up until Bennington came along. Now they've got a guy like don't spend huge assets grabbing a goaltender. Um, Cause you don't know if he's going to fit like, you know, how is the integration between the system and the goaltender going to work to make sure that soft goals aren't being allowed, that there's really good communication. Like, all that chemistry stuff takes a lot of time to build. Um, and, and right now it's working. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with that. Um, they've got a ton of really good prospects in the system. And a lot of them are close to knocking on the NHL door. Like these guys are in a good spot where, you know, some of their veterans are going to be aging out and these young guys are going to be ready to hop right into bigger roles just as those guys are aging out. So I think, I think they're in a very good spot. You don't go out, you know, don't fuck with happy, right? They're happy right now. Like they're almost, they, they look like playoff locks at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mess with it. it. It took you all season to figure out your chemistry. Now it's going well. Keep going with it. Whatever a few months makes, right? Where it looked like it was going to be a, a fire sale in St. Louis. And, and now we're saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Tops to Craig Berube because they finally turned the bus around. Well, show me a team with a good coach. I'll show you a team with a good goalie is the old, the old saying, right? That too. All right. Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I don't know about you, but for my money, these guys might just be the very team to beat this year for the, for the Cup. Uh, the Stanley Cup's going to go through Tampa Bay one way or another, I think. And uh, I think that they could be – they could want to be buyers. The trouble that they're going to have is – um, salary cap situations. So if they're if they're looking at buying, it's got to be a rental because they've got some real real problems with the salary cap next season. So they're not going to want to add any layers of complication to that unless it involves moving out some money. Um, but could you imagine if this is a team that went out and had the wherewithal to acquire a, an Artemi Panarin and add him into their into their roster? Um, I'm not sure that Tampa Bay has the ability to make any kind of significant move. Um, what do you think? Yeah, they're in a tough spot. Like, I don't know, they're, they, they pull prospects out of nowhere and turn them into, you know, top six forwards. So, um, Carter Verhag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they, they are in, um, you know, they're a model system at this point. Um, 
which you know you wouldn't have said 10 years ago but here they are they've uh, they've done a great job of building to this point uh yeah they'd love to be buyers um their first rounders already kind of committed um if they win the cup it goes to new york otherwise second rounder so um you have a tough time selling that piece um you know it would have to be conditional um to whomever gets it and then you know next year if they're thinking maybe it might be a bit of a step back year just because of some of the cap problems, then they probably don't want next year's out the door when, you know, they would want to be able to have more flexibility to, uh, to rework things cap wise, uh, during the summer. So, I mean, they've been running over everyone all year. They're in a position where they're seven defensemen, they're rotating guys through every night. So like every guy gets a night off every two weeks, so they're probably even going to be like one of the fresher teams heading into the year or heading into the playoffs just because of how they're rolling things. Um, it seems like they've got an entire fifth line worth of guys that would be, um, you know, high end fourth liners for a lot of teams. So um, they've got remarkable depth. Almost all of it was created through last year's trade deadline buying and then just through solid drafting and development. So um, again, that's another situation. Like don't mess with it. Like they could add a few more depth pieces, but like, who are you pushing down that? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think that they have got a a very elite team already. It would be hard to improve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't mess with chemistry. Like you were saying. All right. Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Finally, a team that's, back in the playoff picture again. Um, already made an acquisition, adding a defenseman to their roster. Jake Muzzin might be interested in adding another one, might be interested in adding uh, a little bit of depth up front. They've got players like Andreas Johnson and and Kapanen that are needing new contracts in the offseason. Um, they're going to have a little bit of trouble fitting in their salary cap situation. So those are players that have been rumored as potentially being available, which doesn't make any sense to me. They won a championship with the Marlies last season in, in Cutler. So um, I'm not sure why they'd want to move them because they're very affordable right now and they have a chance to win right now. Uh, I think the Leafs would definitely like to be buyers. Uh, and while it looks like they have some salary cap room, if you look, they have about $4 million in space, but they need to reserve that for players' bonuses. Otherwise, that'll carry over onto next season's uh, salary cap situation. And I think they want to avoid that at all costs. Um, what do you think the Leafs could be up to? Yeah, I, th- I think they already made uh, they already made their big purchase. They moved early. Um, you look at you know what they've done the last couple of deadlines, and the guys that they added really didn't do anything for them as far as pure rentals. So they were willing to put their first rounder on the line for a guy who's going to be with them for multiple seasons. Um, so if they're going to add another guy, it's going to have to be money in, money out, and then also. Like it's going to have to be a guy who makes sense for them uh, beyond just this season. And uh, I don't know that that type of piece um, is going to be available. You almost, you almost certainly they're going to, they're going to add a cheap rental piece um, for, you know, a late round pick just because that's what teams in their position do. But I don't think it's going to be a guy who's going to make a huge impact. Um, And I don't they're not going to be selling anyone who's NHL ready. Um, 
to a team in order to add that, uh, that fringe rental. So, um, and they're certainly not going to be giving up either Sandine or Liljegren. So, uh, those guys are pretty locked in. You're not going to see them at the NHL level this year. Again, that entry level slide for guys under the age of 20, those guys are just going to keep plugging away for the Marlies who are kind of a fringe playoff team this year. So, um, yeah, I don't see a ton moving uh, prospect-wise. You know, you maybe see Trevor Moore back up if uh, if some injuries crop up for, for the Leafs. But otherwise, uh, yeah, I think they're pretty set. Yep. All right, uh, Vancouver. They, um, they're having an interesting season. Uh, Elias Pedersen has them right in a playoff spot. They're just on the bubble. Uh, they have a whole bunch of tremendous young prospects and assets um Alex Edler's name is a player who TSN had listed as trade bait. I don't see it necessarily. I think that that they're wanting to have a veteran defenseman to lead that blue line and I don't see anyone better than Alex Edler for that position. Um well and he wants to stay, right? So Right. It, it just makes sense for both parties to keep him there. He's got a concussion right now, like who knows when he's even going to be back. Right. So scratch his name off the list. Um that doesn't leave them with a whole lot of stuff to to be selling. Uh, they might want to be buyers and try and push their way into that one of those final wild card spots. Uh, do you think that that's something that they consider, or do they just you know they're on a they're on a rebuild course? They're they're going on a youth movement. If they miss the playoffs, I don't think it would be the end of the world. They give themselves another lottery pick, um, albeit a low percentage one, but a lottery pick nonetheless. I think that you they could talk their way into um, into doing like the type of Patrick Maroon type rental that happened last year. Like you give up a third and you add uh, a guy who's a middle six type winger who might fill a specific role for you. I know they went out and they did the uh, the Gagne for Spooner trade where they traded each other's AHLers and they're gonna try uh, they're gonna try to turn them into NHLers. Um, with their with their new teams so uh, i think spooner's getting you know the top line run uh right away so we'll see what happens with them but uh no i i don't think they're going to sell any any of their big pieces to make a push they're not uh, they're not permanently in there enough um to be able to do that maybe if edler was still healthy uh, i think they'd be making a better run at this uh the uh, the with or without, as far as Edler goes, has been uh, I think it's been pretty stark this year. So I, I don't think they're they're going to hang in that playoff race. But uh, but you never know. Um, certainly in terms of names, we might see pop up. Uh, we've already seen Demko and and Gaudet, um making an appearance, and it's almost certain that Quinn Hughes, whenever his college season is done, is going to be signed. Um, don't expect him to play uh, more than nine games. Again, that entry-level slide, they're going to want to keep him um, from having to be exposed in the expansion draft, so he's not getting more than nine games this year. Right, right. Yeah, Vancouver's got a lot of players that I think that they could just call on from from Utica if they wanted to, and I don't think that they want to take away roster spots with long-term acquisitions from some of their their prospects. Uh, Vegas expansion team that makes it all the way to the Stanley cup finals last year. will be looking to repeat. They've added some players to their team this year and Stastny and Pacioretty, some pretty impactful players. They were in it on, uh, on Eric Carlson, but, uh, came up short in that trade, obviously. Um, 
this is a team that I don't think should be very active in terms of buying, and I don't think they have anything to sell either. I think this is going to be a pretty quiet trade deadline for Vegas. So I was banging around the idea um, of what a team like Vegas could do to push up their risk profile uh, just a bit. Certainly, you know, they could sell off prospects like Glass or or Brandstrom, and they could probably net a, a damn good rental return. Um, but, it, you know, I, I wonder if, uh, if, you know, something even spicier uh, could be in the mix for them. It, it, it wouldn't really be prospect related, but, you know, before Max Pacioretty's, uh, you know, his new deal kicks in, would you be able to move him to Columbus for Panarin? You get the better player. You probably only get him for a year, but maybe you get a chance to re-sign him. And then you avoid what would be an aging contract um, in Pacioretty. And you really, you know, you get that superstar player who could uh, who could change the outlook of a team that's, you know, they're fading a little bit. Like, they're certainly a playoff team and they'll certainly make noise. But they're, the magic isn't quite what it was. Yeah, they caught lightning in a bottle last year. And that's that's always hard to recreate. And sometimes the harder you... Uh, you try the the further it gets away from you. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Cup champions, Washington Capitals. They made very few changes to their roster from from when they won their cup, so they should be in good position to go for another run. Uh, they got a lot more experience after their their run last year. They're all a little older, maybe a little hangover. Uh, doesn't look like this season. They're they're doing just fine, winning all kinds of games. Um, not They've been a, slumping since Christmas, but I think they'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, they're they're still second overall in the Metropolitan, so they're good. Um, they don't have a very deep prospect pool uh, to draw from. They've been trading first-round picks for a long time now, making mm-hmm. playoff pushes. Uh, they still have their pick this year, I believe. Uh, I'd have to, I'd like to think that because they won one, their appetite for trading first-round picks maybe has diminished a little bit. I mean, they they won, they got it, they scratched that off their list, uh, and they got to look at their prospect bench and think, hmm, we could really use some top-end players coming down the pipe here eventually. Uh, do you think that they see it that way? They're like, hey, man, this is our chance, this is our window, all in, trade them. No, I think uh, I think I I read uh, something from Brian Brian McCrell, uh, Brian McClellan uh, recently where he was talking about how um, the Shattenkirk... Uh, all-in move a couple of years ago was really an eye-opener for them, um, just in terms of how it it really didn't move the needle the way that they thought it would. And then last year, you know, they made uh, much more fringe moves, and they ended up having Michael Kempney, who they who they got for a much lower pick, ended up playing a top pairing role for them and he's been in that spot ever since and they go out and win the cup so um they're probably going to make some additions it's probably going to be smaller ads and they're probably not going to be trading from their top prospect pool it's it's more likely going to be uh lower rung picks that they that they trade from um uh, you know maybe the most interesting piece that uh, that could go down for them would be um, you know what happens if there's a Holt D injury um, do we get to see Ilya Samsonov uh, at the highest level is he ready for that um, yet 
that would be interesting. All right, last but not least, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so here's a team that a lot of people have as the potentially strongest cup contender coming out of the West. They got a fair number of good young players in their system. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to think that they'd be sellers. They should be buyers. They could be selling prospects to load up uh, and add that one or two missing pieces that they feel they might have to put them over the top and and make them invincible. Are they satisfied with their goaltending? Do you think they'd be looking at a forward or a little bit of depth on D? I think they're they're definitely buying. Um, you know, my kind of hot take for Winnipeg is that they aren't that good. I mean, certainly they're they're hanging at the top of the central. They're obviously good. Um, but I don't think they're quite championship level good. They have quite a few holes, um, which can be patched up at the trade deadline. The question is, how expensive is that going to be? You know, they are certainly, um, they're a candidate to go out and make the Michael Kempney type move because I, I think they're, they're missing something um, along those lines. Uh, you know, a guy, they've, they've got the great Morrissey troop of pairing, but they're still looking for the guy who's going to pair up well with Bufflin. Maybe they solve that internally with a guy like Sammy Niku. Um, and certainly he's going to be a guy that teams ask for if they go big game hunting to, to patch up the holes that they feel they have up front. Um, they could, they could probably stand to have a second line center, uh, similar to what they did with Stastny last year. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a team with a couple of holes, but they're also fairly obvious. So, um, if they can figure out the, the way to fill it, uh, properly without, expending too many resources and they've got a heck of a lot of good prospects that they can sell um, still have their first rounder as well so you know they've got some pieces to do that hunting with it's just a question of uh, uh, of whether they can find the right pieces coming back that's it 31 teams we made it only yeah. an hour and a half that was a haul <laughs> that was a long marathon uh, cool man uh, well, I got you on the pod. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, talk prospect-wise? Well, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to to reverse course on you um, and, and ask you some questions because, you know, uh, I'm not in the prospect game nearly as much as other folks. And so, you know, I thought it'd be valuable um, just as, you know, as a fantasy player and someone, I, I, you know, I, I like to I like to get as much out of out of these conversations as I can and hopefully, you know, maybe pry some information out of you that uh, you didn't necessarily uh, know that you were sitting on or didn't think to, to share. So um, you're a Leaf fan, correct? Yeah. Okay. So um, what's the division rival prospect uh, that you are most afraid of? Uh... Hmm. Prospect. So, so a player owned a prospect owned by another team in, in the least division. Yes. Gee, I don't know. Um, Boston's got a number of good ones. I wouldn't say that there's anyone there that, uh, I'm particularly afraid of. Uh, Buffalo's got some guys that are on their roster, of course. Um, you know, Rasmus Stalin is is incredible, and I'm a big Casey Milstad fan as well. Um, maybe Zadina in Detroit, um, or Hepaniemi in Florida. Those are some all uh, 
some players that I think are going to enjoy playing in the NHL and score a lot of points. And they're going to be playing against the Leafs a lot. So they're going to be scoring a lot of points against Toronto. Right. Um, so along the similar lines, um, which team's prospect pool uh, are you most jealous of? Vancouver. Yeah. I like, yeah, I'm a, I, I like a lot of the players that Vancouver has in their system. They've got pillars in each position. Uh, Elias Pedersen, obviously. Um, uh, Brock Besser, if you still count him as a prospect. Quinn Hughes on defense. Uh, Thatcher Demko in goal. Uh, just going right on down the list, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Michael DiPietro. Tyler Madden has been been lights out at the World Juniors with USA. He's having a great season in, uh, or sorry, at the World Juniors with USA. Yeah, and he's had a great season in NCAA. I just watched him in the Bean Pot, and uh, kids got some moves. Uh, I like what Jet Wu's doing. I think he's going to bring an element to their blue line. Um, Zach McEwen is a player I'm pretty familiar with too. Watched him play in, in Gatineau quite a bit when he was there. Uh, as an undrafted free agent signing that they made. Um, just their roster, their prospect roster throughout is just full of players that uh, are favorite prospects of mine. Uh, and Vancouver just keeps drafting them. It's, it's almost like they're looking at my list and picking guys off my off my own draft list. So I really like Vancouver. Carolina is another one, too. I like a lot of the prospects that the Carolina Hurricanes own. Um, I'd like to own those guys in my fantasy league. Pete, this, this, this was a nightmare segment for me. An absolute nightmare. Okay, so Oilers <laughs> fan, um, the answer to, to my first question uh, from myself would have been Quinn Hughes. And here you are spouting off Vancouver, who I'm also fairly jealous of, of their prospect system. Um, I, every day I feel like I want to mute cam robinson on twitter because he won't <laughs> stop talking about their glorious pipeline it's and true updates on how well each and every one of those fantastic prospects are doing it uh it, it's gonna drive me insane for the next decade having yeah. watched those guys um i wish them nothing nothing but the best no 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 don't get me wrong Vancouver's a team i love to hate I dislike the Vancouver Canucks almost as much as as Montreal, but uh, I got I got to say I love their prospects. Anyway, uh, and next question. Um, okay, so uh, along similar lines, so who is the draft prospect you are most afraid winds up in Tampa Bay? Well, assuming Tampa Bay is going to be picking kind of late in the draft, that eliminates you know the. The front end big names, um, a player I really like, and a bias because I've seen him in the OHL a bit, and I think he's really underrated, is Philip Tomasino. Uh, I really like this guy. I, I think he's going to be drafted lower than he should be, and he's going to have an impact. He's he's uh, fast. He's Charlie Hustle. Uh, he you know he reminds me a little bit of Mark Stone. Maybe not quite as offensively gifted, but Mark Stone just competes so hard. He creates so many turnovers and forces the other team to make passes and decisions that they immediately regret. Uh, and then when he gets an opportunity, he just cashes on it. Um, so I think he's got an opportunity to turn out to be that type of player. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me for Tampa Bay to identify that. They're pretty good at doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, if I'm right, of course, and then have that happen would be would be a nightmare situation. Mm-hmm. So th- that that just about 
you know, fills a similar model to, uh, to, to my answer to that question, who would be Nick Robertson. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, Tampa Bay is either winning the cup and conveying their first round pick to the New York Rangers, or they're not winning it. They're keeping their first, and then they're going to draft someone who is absolutely going to torment us all for 10 years. So um, there's no, there's no escaping what the lightning have created. (laughs) It's true. true. Okay. So Pete, um, if you were rebuilding uh, a fantasy team, um, which draft class would you focus on? 2019, 2020, 2021, or would you say, you know what? None of those draft classes are good enough. Try to win now. Um, so that would probably depend on how bad my team is. Um, I, I don't mind the 2019 draft class. I think there's some some players on there that can help you out. Uh, 2020s looking pretty good too. I've, I haven't paid as much attention to future drafts as I do to the one that's coming up right away. But uh, 2020's got some some pretty big names in it. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, Quinton Byfield, really like him. Marco Rossi, a player who's playing with the Ottawa 67s as a an import rookie. Anton Lundell from from Finland is a player that um, I've been hearing a lot of really good things about. Alex Holtz. Uh, so um, I might might look at 2020, but I wouldn't want to put it off too long because I mean, just look at what Vegas did. They came from nothing and went to a Stanley Cup contender. And I think that you're seeing players come from the NHL draft and having an immediate impact in the NHL faster than ever before. So if you're looking at doing a, a rebuild, I think there's ways to acquire players and, and draft players that you don't have to have the five-year rebuild anymore. So projecting it's starting your rebuild a few years away uh, doesn't make sense. Like if you're good, go for it. If you're not good, start, start your rebuild right away. Interesting. Okay. Um, Let's see here. So speaking of the 2019 draft, um, where do you think the inflection point is where, you know, the talent really starts to drop off? So if I'm, you know, say rebuilding a a team and I happen to have six first round picks um, of which probably most of them will be occurring in the top 20, um, where is the talent level really going to drop off where I want to start thinking, okay, maybe I've got to get rid of some of these, uh, some of these picks outside a certain range um, because they're not going to return talent the way that I want them to. Uh, that's interesting. So recently posted on Dauber Prospects, the uh, fantasy ranking, the NHL draft, and uh, it's a consensus ranking. So there was about six or seven of us that contributed to it. So it's not just my opinion, but I contributed to it, obviously. Um, so the top three were pretty unanimously Hughes, Kako, and Pod Colson. Um, and then there was not a lot of separation point-wise when I added up all of the, the rankings between the next large group of, of players. So that includes, you know, Dylan Cozens, Trevor Zegras, Peyton Craigs, Alex Turcott, Matt Boldy, uh, Kirby Dotch. Uh, these are all play- uh, Bowen Byram. These are all players who, you know, people had ranked anywhere from 10th to 4th or 5th. Um, 
Alex Newhook, Cole Caulfield, Ryan Suzuki. Uh, now you're starting to get these players were ranked um, anywhere from like seven to fifteen on most people's lists. Uh, Arthur Kaliev. Um, some people had him ranked really high. Some people had him ranked pretty low. He's, you know, he's a sniper. He's a goal scorer, but he's got some pretty big holes in his games, namely consistency. Um, but then after that, I think that's where you see this inflection that you're talking about. So all of the players that I mentioned in the top, like 14 or 15 were ranked pretty consistently, pretty high. Uh, and then, uh, and then the the rest of the the list they were ranked pretty consistently below that. Uh, not a lot of movement between the rest of the list, with the odd exception. Um, so I would say at about mid midway through the first round, if you don't have someone in the top fifteen, then you're not probably looking at an impact player right away. But I mean, who knows? People uh, players get picked thirtieth overall and 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 make the NHL in their first year, so. Um, but that's the way it's, it's looking to me at, at this point. Well, awesome, Pete. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a really good piece. I love that, uh, that consensus fantasy rankings that you, uh, that you guys put together. It's a, it's a really strong piece. And I think that, uh, that answer provides some really good context for me. So, um, that was not a hypothetical. I, I am rebuilding a team that has six first round picks this year. Um, will be looking to make some big splashes with that. Where are they ranked roughly? Um, right now, it looks like I'm going to have two in the top five um, and then a bunch in that uh, six to 15 range. Um, three more of them in, in that range. And then one's probably going to be in the, in the 17, 18, 19, 20 range. All right. Well, in the later range, I always try to look at players who you will maybe sort of get some indication as to whether or not they're worth holding on to than keeping on your prospect bench for a long time. So you look at maybe an overage player, um, like, uh, like Brett Leeson around there. Uh, he'll be turning pro probably next year. So, you know, if, if he craps the bed in the AHL, then maybe you look at, freeing up that roster spot, but you'll know sooner than later, right? Cause he doesn't have two more years or three more years of junior or college where you have to wonder what's his, what's he going to be like as a pro. That's an interesting strategy. The, uh, the Tanner Pearson approach. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, okay. Uh, running short on time. I'll, I'll just skip to the last question here. So um, what are some things that you've, you've stolen from other fields, um, either hobbies or, or uh, you know, your job or other interests um, that apply to scouting and, and fantasy hockey? Hmm. Uh, well, my, my day job as a, a, a retail manager, I'm always looking at succession planning. And what do I do if I lose this person who's going to step up and fill that position. And that's something that I, I kind of do with my fantasy team too, right? Like what do I do if such and such a player um, loses their value, gets traded to a team and uh, or signs a contract or as a free agent and they're off my roster. Or I, I let them go as a free agent or I, I, someone makes me an offer I can't refuse. And I, now I don't have a goalie kind of thing. Um, so you always try and have um, a plan B for, for each player in each position. Um, and not just look at 
what does my roster look like right now? How can I make it as good as I can for tonight's lineup? But um, what do I do if scenarios? Um, who's going to be the next guy? Who can I who can I call up? What can I do? What kind of asset management am I looking at um, for a long term solution? Uh, that would be that would be one that I can think of off the top of my head. Interesting. So how do you, because like, I would imagine that in the retail market, um, like you're working with actual people, right? So in terms of succession planning, like you can really set yourself up where you're pushing the people who would be, uh, you know, filling in some of those holes. If some of your better people move on, um, you can, you can really work on that, that individual development. Um, you know, how do you, how do you integrate that uh, sort of management into your pool when like, obviously you're not going to be involved in the actual development uh, of the players coming up. Right. So that does make it a little bit challenging and that, you know, I'm not actually the manager or the coach of this hockey team because it's a fantasy team. Um, But if I look at my roster and I have player who, you know, is on a, a, a veteran who's on going year to year, like Solani was at the end of his career. You know, maybe he comes back next year. Maybe he's good. Or maybe he comes back next year and he's no longer fantasy relevant. Or maybe this is it. Maybe he's done. So I'll have that hole in my roster next year. You got to have someone who you can um, either move up from your prospect bench and plug in and fill that hole or have another position identified where, you know what, so if I lose Solani, I'll be really thin on right wing. But um, but I'm really I'm really deep on defense. So, you know, no big deal. Solani retires. I'll just trade one of my defensemen for uh, for the winger that I need. Um, always kind of, kind of looking like if you're playing chess, you look two or three moves ahead. Um, kind of the same thing with, with your fantasy roster. Always try and look two or three moves ahead. Uh, what's this player's value? What's their perceived value versus their real, real value? And which way is are those values trending? Um, and always try and capitalize and trade a player while their value is high before it starts bottoming out. Kind of like Wayne Simmons. Exactly. Well, that was really fun, Pete. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that uh, you were able to have me on. Um, I hope that the uh, the listeners don't mind us uh, running a little longer than than what's uh, usual here. But uh, you know, I had a really a really good time chatting uh, with this stuff with you, and you know, I'm I'm glad you were willing to uh, to answer some of my questions, having the uh, the script flipped on you a little bit. But uh, hopefully, you know, some of those insights are helpful. I know I know they're going to be helpful to me. So you know, thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast with me today. I also enjoyed this conversation. I thought it was really fun, very interesting. And don't worry, if people don't find it interesting, they just won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they made it to the, the 146 mark here. All right, Steve, uh, we should wrap this up. Thanks very much. Uh, I'd like to tell our listeners where they can find your writing and whatnot, but uh, that that isn't anywhere right now, unfortunately. Um, hopefully, you miss it a lot and you 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 come back to it, man, because uh, you had a good thing going. You had uh, fun to read. Yeah, we'll we'll see what shakes out uh, as far as the writing goes. Um, you know, hopefully, I'll have my my fantasy rankings uh, out for free again next year. And you know, if people like what I have to say, uh, uh, you know, I'm still I'm still spitting nonsense on Twitter at Steve Laidlaw. So. 
um, they can give me a follow and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm always happy to interact. All right. So there you go, folks. Give them a follow on Twitter. Follow the podcast as well at DPR underscore show. If you want to follow me at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a little five-star review. Drop a comment. Tell me what you like about the show, and I'll do more of that. Uh, until then, thanks for your time, and you can thank me for mine, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.